Blog Talk Radio. Okay, I'm not sure what's going on here. Uh, Jay, we're going to have to go ahead and start the show, if you, and we ask that you call back in, please. We cannot hear you. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now we're ready to go with uh, Raw Goddess, which it seems that we've seemed to have lost her as well. I don't know what happened here. Okay. Uh, we'll try dial. We'll wait for her to come back on. Okay. Um, wow, I think we just had her. So let's see what happens here. Okay, we're waiting for her. We'll, let's try dial. Uh, oh, here she is. 
All right, everyone, we're going to get ready with the show. Jay, are you ready for the show? I'm, I'm so excited about this. Yes. Yes, I am, I'm absolutely excited about the show. So without further ado, we are bringing on Miss Raw Goddess. Good afternoon, Raw Goddess. How are you? I am well, Jay. How are you doing? Yes, and this is Gail as well. And um, hey, Gail. How so are you? To, absolutely wonderful, and we're so glad to have you today. Thank you all for having me. So glad to be here. Yes, this is quite exciting. You know, uh, Raw, we've had so many visionaries on the show and former presidents, CEOs, and all of that, and music artists, but having you today, you know, is a real it's really big for me to have you on the show because we've known each other for a while. And um, just knowing the woman you are and, you know, the amazing work that you do really touches Jay and I at such a deep level. Uh, thank you all so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for your work. Truly, thank you for your work. I've been listening to the episodes and just getting grounded in the wealth and the depth and the breadth of insight and information that you all are bringing to people is incredible. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, we are still, I guess, uh, something that you say learning and in progress as well as a show. And, you know, uh, having such people like yourself on allows our audience to be, you know, coming to not just knowledge, but knowing where to apply that knowledge in their own lives. Mm. And And I think that's something important. It's not, you know, you can give information, but just giving information and not knowing how to apply it. And I think, Rod, that's where you really come in. You don't just show people, here's the knowledge, but you share with them how to navigate it through their own life as though it was a roadmap that hadn't been traveled yet. That's my commitment, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I was just going to say, it's my commitment, Gail. It's one of the things that I feel very passionately about. So, yes, thank you for seeing that, and yes. Yes, and, you know, we're going to go in different places. We, we, we hope to be one of your favorite shows you've done. Not to say the other ones aren't your favorite, but we hope you leave here saying, oh, my God, I had the most amazing experience. That's our commitment to you as well in this show. And, awesome. you know, with that said, Rob, <laughs> yeah, I, we're, we're, you know, I, I almost, you know, Rob, I'm almost nervous here, and I'm never nervous, but, you know, I'm, and, and Jay will tell you, I'm like, you know, Rob's coming on today, so, you know, we got to get this right. And, um, you know, it's just, it, it's like you've been a friend for years, and it's like I'm, I almost don't know where to go with it, you know. Um, so what we'd like to ask of you, Ra, is because you have such good information to share and wisdom with that information. We ask that when we share questions with you, if you wouldn't mind tailoring it to that question so all the good stuff doesn't go before we run out of questions. Okay. <laughs> I will follow your lead. You okay, too, well, I will follow we, we, your lead. No, no, honey, I think today we're going to be following yours <laughs> with all the good <laughs> stuff that you've got. So, you know, you know, while we go back a ways, but you can take us even further back. You have been the music artist, the pharmaceutical executive, the entrepreneur, the actress on stage teaching us about mental illness, the cultural ambassador to Rwanda. Uh, you know, working with gangs as a change agent for us to understand that community and help them and their families. 
Now you are a soul coach, cultural innovator, change agent, working with people like Gabby Bernstein, Rajani, Reshma Sarjani, um, for Girls Who Coach, and just so many more. I would like to know, tell us as a young girl, did you see this as your future coming into play? Mm. You know, it's funny. When I was growing up as a young girl, I thought I was either going to be a doctor, a medical doctor, or I was going to be a, a rock star musician. You know, I was like many young girls. I used to be in the mirror with the hairbrush, singing along uh, to whatever the fa- you know the famous song of, uh, of the day was. But um, I think when I look back at those two very distinct aspirations, I think at the heart of it was a desire to move people and a desire to help people heal. And, you know, there's something about, I think, the essence of each of those occupations that, that carries through when I look at all of the work that I've done what I've been committed to, I've been committed to moving people, making a difference, touching lives, impacting lives, and I've been committed to supporting uh, processes where people can heal so that they can come into the fullness of themselves. And so from that perspective, I don't think I had the hindsight, like, you know, then to sort of know I was going to be doing this in terms of my my role as an entrepreneur and certainly not leading an entrepreneurial training organization. Never thought that that, that sort of would be the box I would check, but I think in terms of the core of the work that I do and, and what I'm passionate about and what I'm dedicated to in terms of my life's work, I think once in a while it's always been there. Wow. Wow. Well, I know Jay has a question for you. Yes, I do. I have a question for you, Ra. <laughs> so, um, the question is, you were written up in Time Magazine as the music artist to watch. What was the experience like, and what did you learn from it? You know, it was a humbling, I think, experience for me because I didn't, I never, you know, and I share about this all. I came to my art kicking and screaming, which is very different from most people. Most people, it's sort of like, it's their art, it's what they want to do, they know it's what they want to do, they forsake everything else to do it, better for worse, right? Um, And I was actually one of these people who rejected my creative gifts for a very long time. And so when I began to create music and poetry and um, began to surrender to that part of my expression, I was um, really surprised and shocked at the way that my work was received. And that's the case throughout most of my artistic career. Um, you know, my joke is I'm semi-retired now, uh, and that move the crowd is really my work of art. Like that's that's sort of where my artistic and creative energy is focused. Um, but it was humbling. You know, I was honored. Um, but but really humbled and, and felt that way and continue to feel that way any time the work that I do is acknowledged by, you know, by any anyone, really, um, you know, mainstream industry, um, vehicle or, or otherwise. Wow. You know, Ra, you were a change agent for youth in South Central Los Angeles, you know, working with gangs and so forth. Before we really get into that, and Jay, I know you're going to kill me. I'm going to change up a little bit on this. I wanted to know, what did you learn from that experience 
that attribute to maybe some of the things that you integrate into Move the Crowd. And if you could also share what Move the Crowd is. Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. So in terms of, I'll, I'll sort of do them in reverse. So Move the Crowd, we are an entrepreneurial training company that is dedicated to helping people stay true, get paid, and do good. We specifically work with people who are really passionate about making a difference in the world and who are wanting to figure out how to develop viable and profitable models for the change that they want to be in the world. So if you want to make a difference and you know particularly that you want to impact culture, you want to shift the culture, um, then move the crowd would be something you might want to explore. Um, In terms of what I learned from that work, and it's interesting, Gail, that you would ask that question. I love this question because I was in a recent conversation about this work and about that time in my life. There is power in our ability to meet people where they are. And I think on some level, logically, we, we may talk a lot about what that means, but viscerally, from an energetic perspective, from a heart perspective, from a grounding perspective, I don't think we know what that really means. Mm. And for me, coming into that environment, I had to let go of any preconceived notion I had about who these young people were and really allow them to teach me who they were and allow them to teach me why they had made the choices that they had made and to allow them to teach me what it was that these gang um, infrastructures and gang organizations provided for them such that it could make sense for me and be a really clear place of uh, a point of connection, understanding, kindredness, respect, all of those things had to be on the table in order for the work that we were to do together to be effective. And it was a partnership every single step of the way. Mm. Mm. You know, Raw, when you speak about this, how does how now, you know, when when people hear about gangs, right? Especially over in LA, you know, you got the Bloods, the Crips, you've got the Latin Kings. I think it's the Latin Kings, and you know, um, you share that there's a place that there's a respect that we don't understand that goes on there. I've heard you speak about this in some of your past interviews. Can you take us a little bit into that perspective? Yeah, I mean, when you think about loyalty, which is a rarity, uh, certainly in the context of the culture that we live in, and and again, you know, I think it's a complex conversation in the sense of what deserves our loyalty and what doesn't, right? Uh, I think we could probably talk a really long time about that, but when you look at the degree to which they were willing to put their lives on the line for each other. You know, when you sort of think about how many people in your life do you know who would stand with you in that way, whether you were right or whether you were wrong, right? They would stand with you in that way. My guess is for most of us, if we're lucky, we may have a couple of fingers on one hand. 
there was something about the depth of loyalty and where it came from. Now, we can argue whether it was misplaced. We can argue whether or not the context and the circumstances and the situations distorted the, the power of that loyalty. Like, all of those things potentially could be debated. But what it ultimately came down to was that this was family for them because the families or the structures that they had come from, that they were raised from, that they were birthed into, or the communities that were attempting to hold them were in some way not meeting the mark in terms of their sense of belonging, not meeting the mark in terms of their sense of esteem, and not meeting the mark in terms of their sense of being cared for and being ushered and stewarded into growth and development and maturity. And so um, for me to bear witness to that level of commitment to one another, that level of loyalty was, was humbling, was humbling. Wow. Well, this is where I ask you that how did what you learn from there, how did you bring it into move the crowd, some of the attributes and things that they taught you to teach people like uh, Rashma Sarjani or uh, Gabby Bernstein? Because clearly what you learned I can even hear myself something I or Jay can learn and bringing into just what we do as everyday living, which is allowing people to teach you. That's I just got that yeah. from speaking to you now. Share yeah, what you, you brought uh, into move the crowd. Understanding who people are. So when I say meeting people where they're at, it's really taking the time to understand them. Sometimes coaches advisors, mentors, or people who have a lot of expertise, we're ready to give the expertise before we even understand who's on the other side receiving it. And one of the biggest insights that I brought into Move the Crowd coming from my work on the front lines of community organizing and activating folks from all walks of life in all parts of the world was being able to first know who you're engaging understand who you're engaging, validating their experience, and also making sure that wherever you wanted to take them really did hold the promise of something better. Because people's time, people's energy, people's resources are precious. And if you're going to spend time with me, I got to make it worth your while. If you're going to spend Mm. energy on me, I got to make it worth your while. And in order for me to really do that, I've got to understand who you are. I've got to know what's important to you. I've got to know what keeps you up at night. I've got to know what makes you smile. I've got to know what you really, really want. That's one of the questions, the first questions we drill into with all of the entrepreneurs that we serve. What do you really want? And, I mean, we take it down to the bone. What do you really want? And then everything gets architected and built from there. Who are you? What is it that you're here to do? What is it that you really want to express and create in the world? And then everything flows from that. Wow. Well, you know what? I didn't t- I've taken up Jay's, Jay's time with you, so I- I'm going to stop here because, you know, Raw, we could go. So, Jay, please take the floor, sir. I- I'm sorry. Don't get me later. No, this, this is the girl. I I just I just wanted to insert this question before I ask this question, Gail, because I want to know, Gail, how do you when you're dealing with these gangs, did you go into these different environments with any fear? Oh, sure. I mean, 
you know, and, and <laughs> um, let me just say to you all <laughs> this, to be, a, to be an entrepreneur, to be a person of truth, to be a person who is committed to making a difference or committed to in any shape, way, shape, or form doing good in the world, you walk with fear all the time because you're coming up against systems and structures and cultural ways of operating that are often at odds with the very thing that you're trying to do. So it's interesting in that I wasn't just, like, afraid of whether or not they were going to accept me or afraid of whether or not my life would be in danger, but I was also afraid of the way that the system interacted and engaged with them, and would there be a moment where I might be caught in the middle of them and the systems and the structures, right? You know, you navigate all of those concerns, but what I'm always driven by, what always wins out when I get afraid is my commitment, is my dedication, is is my uh, drive to deliver what it is that I believe that I'm here to deliver. That always wins. Doesn't mean that I'm never afraid. Doesn't mean that um, the fear in some cases ever goes away. But my commitment to serve is always bigger than anything else I may have going on in the moment. And that was really what got me through in some in certain circumstances, for sure. So as as you move from artistry to entrepreneurship, what was the money conversation like for you? Oh. <laughs> um, I, talk about, I talk about this often, Jay. It's a great question. Artist to artist, right? I talk about this often. Um, you know, it was a, a, a moment in time in my life about time to now almost 15 years ago where I got back from a tour and the money just wasn't what it was, what it was promised, or things didn't line up the way I thought it was. There was a lot of what had happened was, and I really had to have a come-to-Jesus conversation with me and me. <laughs> and, you know, at the time, I did feel like I was living my life's purpose. I did feel like I was making a difference in community, but I couldn't pay my rent. And if I was going to stay there and I was going to do that work, I had to figure the money out. And the, the transformation for me came from being adamant about being willing to figure it out. And I say that because often as artists, we get a bit of a bad rap. We're undisciplined or, you know, we don't work hard or which is, we, we all know, any artist out here who's listening to this all knows how untrue that is. As a matter of fact, we can be some of the most disciplined people on the planet, especially when it comes to our craft. But there's a way sometimes that we buy into the cultural conversation about who we are, about what we're good at or what we're not good at. And we make decisions about how it's going to be for us based upon what the cultural conversations are sometimes, as opposed to saying, personally, this is important enough to me to take the time and the space to figure it out. It means you become a perpetual student. It means you're willing to go where it's really uncomfortable. It means you're willing to dig up underneath the conversations that guide your mindset so that you can actually get access to the information and the skills and the tools and the resources that will enable you to grow when it comes to your money. Um, and I had to do all of that. 
all of that had to happen for me in order to be able to embrace a vision where I could see myself prospering in the work that I was doing, not only from the context of the impact that I was making in the world, but from the ability to sustain and financially grow my vision. Wow. Wow. And, and I tell you, this is so funny, Jay and Ra, because, you know, Ra, um, you know, as a songwriter myself, who's, you know, just created a song for the UN, and, you know, on behalf of my mom's death, I was always the closet artist, you know, but one of the reasons I didn't go there, because I, just like you said, there was, an, I looked at it as, well, you know what, from the business side, I serve the artist, but there's no money being an artist. Mm-hmm. Now, you know from the training, the training that I have and you have and some of our colleagues, I knew better, but I didn't go where I knew better at. I went where what I saw, which led yeah. to the credence of what, what you just said. And, you know, this is where I want to come in with this other question. You know, often this is where whether you're an artist or an entrepreneur, you know, an artist is an entrepreneur within their own, themselves with their artistry and how it goes out to the world and the say they have of how that, art, that artistry gets related to the world. You know, when people have concerns in their personal lives, like how am I going to pay for this, how am I going to pay for that, they're unable to creatively create as entrepreneurs. This is something I heard uh, Jay Love and you share at your recent True Paid Summit, okay, that when people have these things in play, they can't create because they've got all of these concerns, all right? And I ha- that's the first part of my question. I want to know if you can share with us about that, how people can move from and shift from that space when they have, you know, the bills are there. But they have this business that they're creating, but, you know, they could be a caregiver or they could be taken care of. They just don't know how they're going to do it because they don't have the money and it takes away from what they're creating with their artistry or what they're creating as entrepreneurs or social entrepreneurs who really want to make a difference. It's a question I get all the time. You know, I want to come back to the original conversation of meeting people where they are. Part of our work every single one of us, is to know ourselves and to understand what it is that we need in order to be able to do the things that we want to do, right? For some people, they can jump and quit their job because they know that they really thrive under pressure. So for them, having their back against the wall can actually be a good thing for them because it's a driver. It's something that's going to motivate them. It's going to force them to do the things that they need to do in order to make the vision uh, or the idea viable. Other people need to have that handled in order to even be able to pay attention (laughs) in a conversation, right? And so there's something about how you understand the way that you're wired and how you bring the strategy and the uh, training and development to enhance and grow your capacity to be able to pursue the things that you want to pursue. For some of us, it may be on nights and weekends. That may be how we start. And then we set goals in terms of, okay, what's the next threshold? Then what's the next threshold? And what is it that I actually have to achieve before I'm in a place where I can comfortably quit my job, 
right? And so, again, we have to evaluate our own uh, thresholds for and tolerance for risk. We have to evaluate our own obligations, right, because some of us have children. So that, that looks very, very different in terms of a plan or a strategy if you have other people who are depending upon your resources. So we, you know, we have to get inside of all of these questions with ourselves. In our case, we do this in the work that we do with the entrepreneurs that we serve, and we have a structure that supports that process. But even, you know, as you all are listening to me, you got to look at, okay, what is it that I know that I need in order to thrive? And then how do I architect and create a plan that enables me to honor what I know I need in order to show up powerfully for what it is that I want to have and achieve and create in my life. And being willing to be okay with time. This is touching another thing for, for us that's really important. We talk a lot. Sometimes, you know, we want it tomorrow. Well, we all often want it tomorrow. Again, this is sort of what's in the, what's in the culture. But we need to work with 10-year 10 10 visions, 20-year visions, 30-year visions, 40-year visions, and learn to be okay with dancing with time because the truth is, and I, and I love this quote. I'm going to quote a brother by the name of Bo Easton, former NFL uh, safety, uh, now entrepreneur, motivator. Um, and one of you talked about is, you know, this whole idea of being the best is really it's just a function of mileage. And are you really willing to put mileage in, which means you're looking longer range, you're thinking longer range when you're considering all it is that you want to achieve and, and deliver in the world? Wow. You know, my, my other um, – we just had – we have four more questions for you, Raw, and, you know, I, I, I'm sitting here like, you know, we're going to have to ask you to come back in the future sometime next year because, I mean, this is just too many pearls of wisdom to drop. You know what I mean? Um, and we hope that you will do that. Um, oh, my joy. You know, I wanted to ask you this. You know, this is a big question. I know this has been a big question for a lot of entrepreneurs. You're working, you know, your project is on the precipice. It's, it's, it's doing very well, all right? And then you partner with people that you think that your partnership is. I'm a strong believer that where, like you said, meeting people where they add is kind of what they attract if they're not bringing themselves up to the next level of frequency. And one of the things I'd like to know from you is people have ideation. Everyone has their own individual unique ideation to what they're bringing to the table for society or to make a difference or to create or whatever. And they get into partnership with other people or other companies who are supposed to be their partners, but they steal their idea. And now you have the experience of people stealing your ideas. How does one work with sharing their ideation, working in partnership, without the worry in the back of the mind, which, you know, someone's going to steal something, which now has you be so cautious that you are not being the full expression of you out there. Yeah. <clears throat> I think there are, two th- there are two aspects to this. I think the first is we have to always do our inner work. And when I say we have to always do our inner work, part of that means understanding and recognizing the fact that we are creative and that what we think about, what we bring our attention to, what we give energy to, what we architect our efforts around can often attract the very thing that we don't want to have. So to your point, if I'm often worried about being taken advantage of or I'm worried about being cheated 
or I'm worried about being betrayed, and I spend a lot of time and energy and effort architecting around that, moving around that, giving that energy as well as I'm working on whatever I'm working on, then it doesn't become surprising, right, if you if you really – you know, understand the laws of nature, it doesn't become surprising that after a while you begin to attract those kinds of scenarios. So the first work is always to look at how am I, you know, what's the state of my mindset as I'm going into relationships, as I'm stepping into opportunities, as I'm creating um, alliances, how am I coming into that from a mindset perspective is always an important thing to examine. And I say that, Gail, because sometimes we say the right things, right? The paper looks perfect, like like we do all these other things. I'm going to get to the paper in a minute because that's the other side of the equation. But we do all these things, but energetically we haven't lined up or mentally we haven't lined up. And that's got to be actually the place where you begin. You've got to do that deep inner centering, grounding, clarifying work before you even get to the conversations about what the nature of the agreements are going to be. And in some cases, when you're in those conversations, you're going back and forth. You're having conversations with them, and then you're having conversations with yourself, <laughs> right? And you're going back and and That's the truth. That's the truth. How do you keep that dialogue honorable and authentic and real on both sides of the table, right? Because there's you and you, and then there's you and whoever it is that you may be attempting to engage with, right? So I just want to say that, right? There's more more people in the room than you think there are. Um, in terms of the agreements and the criteria, you also, as part of your work, need to set forth very clear criteria before the situation or the circumstance arises. Who are you looking for? What's your criteria for the kinds of partnerships and collaborations that you believe are really going to serve you? And what are those specific qualities and attributes that are going to make a difference? So you're not only looking at the thing that they may bring in terms of expertise or the thing that they may bring in terms of resource, but you're thinking about temperament. You're thinking about values. You're thinking about characteristics and qualities of the individual. So there's all these other things that need to be on the table in how you set your criteria. And the third and final piece, and I know we're some time here, but the third and final piece is then how are you being good stewards of the agreements and being meticulous in the documentation so that everyone is on the same page and you all are really good stewards about being meticulous about being on the same page. You know, I had a recent conversation with someone. We've done a lot of business. It's been great, many, many, many years growing, thriving. However, we had to circle back and have an eye-eye conversation about getting a little sloppy in our documentation and really making a commitment to ourselves and each other in the new year, like, oh, we got to true this up. we got to tighten this up. You know, and again, this is somebody I've done great business with for almost 30 years. So those practices all of those practices I just set forth are things that absolutely need to be in play when you're thinking about partnering. Well, I know we have, we're going to bring it down to two questions. Jay, what is your next question? Then we'll ask that last question to Raw. Okay. Um, uh, my question is, what do people really get, Raw, as an experience in working with Move the Crowd? So I'll tell you what my commitment is, 
and then you may have to ask them because they may tell you different things in response. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My commitment is that you become profoundly related to the most authentic aspects of who you are in service to the highest contribution that you're here to make so that you know yourself so that you can be yourself in such a way that your contribution, that unique, special, important, and incredible thing that you have to offer to the world gets to happen. And then the, the part of it that I would say that we, you know, we do to support that is developing the strategies to ensure that the world ultimately gets to receive it. So you profoundly connected to who you are, you profoundly connected and in service to what it is that you're here to bring, and then you support it in being able to bring it like never before. You know, well, I'm just going to add this tagline on because I tell everybody this. I, I've been grabbing your mantra. I said, you know, it's about staying true to who you are, getting paid well for what you do, and giving back to society ethically and responsibly with integrity. That's who your organization is, has been for Alice and I and Jay. Um, my, this is my last question. I happened to look at Instagram the other day, and you said you had this conversation with someone who thought you were still in a certain place, okay? And you said, well, the important thing is you started to say, oh, my God, but you realized that where they thought you were or who they thought you were, whatever, doesn't matter. It was where you're going. So this is the first part. The second part, this lends right into the leadership of this world right now in all countries across the board, okay? They have many people and cultures pigeonholed in one place that they would like them to stay because it lends to their egoic outline or outcry of what they want to create or their agenda, okay? Yeah. All right, and I know this could go on, so I'm just going to make it as short as I can. As someone who's at the U.N. every day, who gets to lead my organization together with Jay and Alice and others, um, it is hard being Jay and Gail and Alice. That's why we have a coach like you and Jay Love and two others, because a coach needs a coach, you know. And it is very difficult to see this out in front of you when you know kind of like you have the solution, but you have to deal with the borderlines of being not going self-righteous on folks, but at the same time being able to deal with people where they are when they have the responsibility of a nation, but yet haven't dealt with where they are. I want to know what's important to you, Raw, for the leadership of this world, given the statements I've just made. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're building on on conversations that we've been having in the context of our community. And, you know, our leadership has got to do the inner work. We don't have, and this is in our global culture, we don't have um, healing and wholeness be a prerequisite for leadership. We... Uh, deal in the currencies of power and influence in the ways that they've been traditionally defined, which is about dominance and often rooted in, in the, the uh, precepts of violence and, and conquering. And you know what I mean? Like, in other words, we have a very, very archaic um, and long-standing bloody tradition historically of how people have come to power and how we see power and how we see influence, and we've yet to update that. 
mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically update that. And if you ask me, like, what am I, like, what are, where am I putting the stake in the ground? I'm putting the stake in the ground for us to, to transform the way that we define what is powerful, to transform the way that we define what is influential, to transform the way that we define leadership, not just from the perspective of can you be tough, but actually can you be loving and compassionate? To what degree yeah. are you in touch with your own humanity? such that you can be in touch with the humanity of others. This is what we're dealing with. You know, we have developed and created a culture of dehumanization, and we've gotten very comfortable in the ways in which we dehumanize people. We actually see it on some levels as entertainment. And so, you know, when we start to look at the levels of extremes to which certain leaders have gone, you know, I mean, my God, when you think about Syria, when you think about just all of what's happening on the front lines of North Korea, when you think about the continued eruption tension in the Middle East, at a fundamental level, it is about leadership's ability and willingness to get beyond their own agenda and really serve the people. And we got a long way to go there, y'all. We got a long way to go. And whether we're looking at it in a micro context or we're looking at it in a macro context, the prerequisites for leadership have got to shift. And that is our work to do as citizens of this world. That is our work to do as global citizens. We've got to shift it. And that means our ability to be activated, our ability to be on the front lines, our ability to bring another level of accountability, and our ability to bring another level of agency to the things that do not, fundamentally do not work for humanity and be willing to put our efforts towards shifting those things and encouraging people who are really serious about leadership to rise to that occasion. Oh, I mean, you know, Jay and I just thank you for being on, and we invite you to come back in the new year. We hear you're working on a book and whatever. And any way that we can support your endeavors, you know, we want you to know you got that from us. I so appreciate that, you all, and thank you again so much for your work. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for the questions. Um, And I hope, for those of you who are listening, you know, I hope that as we're coming into this new year that you are taking good care of yourself you are being gentle where you need to be gentle, mindful where you need to be mindful, but also that you are celebrating life because no matter what happened this year, you're still here. And because you're still here, you have an opportunity to bring whatever you want to bring into tomorrow, today and tomorrow. So just remember that. I love you all. Uh, Rod, can you tell people where they can find your company at, please, if you wouldn't mind? Not at all. So you can find us on the web at movethecrowd.me, and so it's M-O-V-E-T-H-E-C-R-O-W-D dot M as in Mary, E as in Eric. Like move me, movethecrowd.me. Well, we thank you, and we hope you have a wonderful holiday. And say hello to Corey for us. Awesome. Will do, Gail. Thank you, thank you, and thank you, Jay. So great to be voice-to-voice and heart-to-heart with you all today. Really a pleasure. All right, huh? No, no problem. Have a wonderful day. Yes, you too. Take care. Hello? I mean, Hello? Hey. To our audience, I mean, that was absolutely an amazing interview. It was 
it wasn't an interview for me, and and I wanted to go in there more, but I know we were stretched for time, and to really get a sense more of Raw, you, you should listen to other, she was on another podcast, I have no problem putting a shout out to other podcasts, which was Glambition within the last month, um, just a few others, you want to listen to this woman. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, one of the questions I didn't ask her, you know, Jay and I have been so busy putting out other people on the radio show, supporting other people's careers and everything. And sometimes in doing that, we forget to bring our voice out because it's not about self-righteousness for us. You know, Jay and I always have been like, oh, is it too vain for us to, you know, put our voices out? You know, I have to, I, I'm going to put our voice out today. Jay and I are two of the most powerful people out there with others, you know, in alignment with others. Um, we are so busy, most often caught up in running our companies. And, you know, you know, Jay, tr- chime in here yourself. You know, we're often so busy running our companies that we often forget that, you know, there are some major things that we're up to as well. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that's, I think that's, I think that's important to note, you know, um, is there anything you want to say about that, Jay, after today's call and, you know, what you, know, and what you got out of today's interview as well? Uh, I enjoyed Raw and um, just, just, just listening to her, how she's interacting with everyone, especially the gangs. The, that was very, very interesting to me, you know, not being afraid to go in and give of yourself, you know, not being selfish. And that's what you're saying, Gail. We're always um, – I would, and, and I would say in layman's terms, we're always pumping everybody else up, but we don't pump our own self because we're always trying to help. And so I just enjoy listening to someone that could basically pump themselves. You know, she's Time Magazine, put her as the new artist and all the other the coaching that she's doing, um, uh, moving the crowd. But she's also helping humanity, and that's what – Gail, you do. You help others, and we help others, and we don't really go and pull our own, put a pin of metal, metal on ourselves, you know, because you really can't put a metal, metal on yourself. It takes somebody else to put a metal on you, and we don't do that. That's right. So, yes. No, we don't. I, 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 no, we don't. <laughs> no, right. we so, really don't, Jay, and, and I, think, I think I have to agree with you. I think that's important because we, we do some major work, and people don't realize it's not easy, you know, I walked up to someone the other day at the UN, and they said, oh, you're a journalist. I said, no, I'm not. I am a change maker and, you know, a cultural innovator myself. And I said, so is my partner and, and all of my partners. And I said, what we do, you have no idea. We travel the world making a difference, you know, ethically and responsibly. We're not sitting, I said, what we do on the radio is actually giving back. And she just looked at me and she says, oh, I didn't know that. Um, I said, yeah, sometimes, you know, I said, I can understand that because many people hear us on the radio. I said, but, you know, that's not all we do. And um, so, you know, with that said, it it was quite interesting to hear that, you know, that people don't listen to what the broadcasters actually do. They listen to more that it's just somebody that's being put on the radio. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. I, what I realize is nothing wrong with putting yourself out there. You know, not that I thought there was anything wrong in the first place, but 
it's nothing wrong with really putting yourself out there as long as you're putting yourself out there not from an egoic perspective, you know. Like I want to be known, but you're having other people think, oh, you know, I'm just here to make a difference. And I think that too often, um, and Jay, you know, please chime in here, too often nonprofit organizations, I love supporting, you know, organizations that are on the ground really out there making a difference, but they need money in order to make that difference. Just like an artist needs money in order to make their music, or a company needs money in order to continue serving any community, whether it's a global community, local, or regional, or national. So when I look at that, it's just interesting to me that some nonprofits, just like some companies, they actually generate their income and notoriety off of the pain of the same community they're serving. Because the head of that nonprofit wants to be known, okay? Um the music artist forgets why they made the music in the first place, okay? You know, it's, um, it's very hard to walk the walk that you and I do where we're both music artists, you know, I'm a singer, songwriter, you're a producer. Well, I'm not a singer, God knows, no, but I am a songwriter and, and a producer myself. And you're a producer, well-known, it's done a lot. And at the same time, we're both business people running our organizations together with what you and I do together and what other, our other respective companies are. And mm-hmm. it, it's just amazing to know that so much goes into it that we're so busy. What I got from a lot of day, you and I are so busy running our companies, our creativity of what we're doing, that we often forget to put our voice out there in a way individually as well as collectively of what we see and what our wisdom lends to together with others because we can learn from their wisdom no matter what age. I learned from a three-year-old the other day, you know. Um, So, you know, if you share your thoughts on that as well. Well, I I wanted to touch on that, the the NPOs that you were talking about, the nonprofits. You know, everybody, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, nonprofits are, you know, pretty much, you know, they're there to help. A, a group of people or form a group of people to you know, something that's to pursue common, you know, a common goal. And people think, well, nonprofits, you know, they're charitable. They can give, 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 but it takes money to make these nonprofits work. So then they're not really nonprofits. They have to have some type of resources to keep and continue to go and continue to uh, be a nonprofit. Um, it's important that people know that nonprofits are not just charitable you can't just take, 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 take. We all have to give a little bit to keep these nonprofits to help, whether it's a, something for cancer, whether it's something for, 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 for children that are going through hardships. And that, this is what I like about Listen, Give, Gil, because we enable all of the guests to, to share their nonprofit, and we support their nonprofits. And so that's what I love about our show, Gil. We don't think just about us. And that's what I want people to know. And that's why I was glad that you mentioned nonprofits. Um, it's very important. And, I'm, and I'm, that's why you and I and Alice and our whole team are so happy to have Listen, Give, and Savoy so we can help the rest of the world achieve right. what they need to achieve. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think that what we – What my point also is we're very careful with who we have come on the show because there are a lot of nonprofits. You know, I had someone, Alice Alice J. and I learned a a valuable lesson a couple of years ago when we did the show. 
we had some people come on from, you know, just from various places, not even a nonprofit, and they're like, oh, can I get that show right away? You know, first they weren't that interested in being on the show, and then when they had all the good feedback, and so, well, oh, can I get that show? Um, where can I download it at? I want all the people to know I was on the show. And I'm saying to myself, hmm, that's, that's the normal reaction anyone would want, you know, to what they share to be out there. And I think that's great. But there's, a, there's another side of this that was really quite interesting, was they would call me back, and I'll never forget this one person. She was an amazing woman. But what was more important to her was getting out what she said than the actual work that she was creating with her constituents. And two years later, she came back to me and she said, I didn't realize the kind of person that I was being with you. I said, no, you were fine. You just were where you were. And you, you wanted to, you, you were looking to make a difference. She says, no, Gail, I wasn't looking to make a difference. I was looking to make a difference with my name and forgot my commitment to what I signed up for in the first place, which brings us back, Jay, to exactly what Ra was speaking about. When you understand who you are, okay, and you have dealt with yourself, then you can be set up to lead others. But when you have not dealt with the egoic side of yourself and you put it out there, you're really for other people. You even have the people thinking that work with you, you're really for others. But what you're really looking to do is social climb. Um, I can also speak to another situation, you know, where that was for her, and I was, I was surprised that she said that because I always thought, you know, she's pretty uh, good, pretty good people. But here's what I would ask of you, Jay. I have a question for you. You know, um, there was a woman who had uh, shared with us that she had a partner, which is she asked me to ask um, Ra about that question, and she said they kept telling her what she had was not tangible, okay? And I said, oh, I can relate to that. I said, you know, we've had partners do the same. She said, but, Gail, you don't understand. They said I'm not tangible, but yet they're using some of my ideas. It's like, wow, okay. She said, and you have to understand this is my livelihood, and I think the partnership is good. And I said, well, you know, the question you have to ask yourself is, what has you worked with someone that will utilize your ideas but not work with you? And I actually shared on my timeline as a result of that conversation with her yesterday that, I had an amazing day, and she was one of the people I talked to. And I, I said, make sure that the people who work with you are interested in you as a person and what you're up to creating, even if you have partners or whatever, not just what you have to offer. Because if they're only interested in what you have to offer, they're going to be gone. They're not there to just work with you. I'd love to know your thoughts on that one, Jay, because I know you've experienced that at times as well. And how? <laughs> And I'm experiencing it now. Um, you know, people don't, everybody's, you know, it seems like a lot of people nowadays, and not everyone, um, but some people, they just look at me. And they don't look at what, they don't look at the overall situation. They look at a situation just from one point of view but they never look at the overall situation and look at the whole situation. So what they do is they come in, um, they look at your ideas, and they exploit them for, them for their own goals. And that's not, that's not how it should be. You know, people shouldn't do those type of things. Um, it's very, very hard to find people like you, Gail, Alice, 
and on our team that looks at the overall situation. We're not just looking at ourselves. You know, that's that's why we we we're still together now. That's why we're still working together because we got a great team. Um, I right now I'm going through something where I just have to just remove that energy away from me, and then look at the wonderful people that I'm working with. Uh, that I have around me, and sometimes you can't see you can't see that in the beginning, and it takes something very very dramatic to get you to see who 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 are the people around you that really really have your best interests, you know. But I think we have to go time. back to what I think we have to go back to what Ross said. If we're spending our time looking around us or who's going to betray us or who is betraying us, okay. Then we're not. Then we're looking around from that place, but we're not looking from the place of what we are creating, because when we're worried about who's going to betray us, or who has betrayed us, or who is betraying us, we're looking at the outside. When really, what there's time to do, and I'm not speaking about you, but I'm speaking in general. We need to have the inner reflection, okay? Because that inner reflection mm-hmm. allows the, the outward manifestation of what it is that we are creating and how we are approaching what we are creating. See, this is not a play on words. People have to get that they've got to ground themselves in exactly what it is that they say that they want to happen and deal with how they've lived their life. Because whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're working in a nine-to-five corporation, a music artist or whatever, if you have been, um, if you have not thought enough of yourself, if you don't respect yourself in certain areas or you don't have the tools to move up the ladder, you will come from a place of desperation and feel that everyone is there to take something from you. But if you move yourself in amongst the people who are doing well, who have a positive listening of who you are as a person and what you're creating, you will have to step into that. You will have to learn more about yourself. And this is where, you know, even speaking back to Raw about the work I do, the work you do, as a coach, you know, one of the things is dealing with people where they are and what's important to them and supporting them in learning what grounding, what, what types of grounding works for them, you know, what their morning practices are from meditation to prayer or whatever to find out what they are connected with so that they can grow from where they are. That's the most important thing because how you ground yourself is what you're going to get connected to and attract outside of yourself. If I'm a person who's uptight and trying to make money and that's my focus and that's what I'm worried about, well, then I'm not focusing on the creativity or my creative endeavor or my job or my nine-to-five or what I'm looking to have. So, therefore, people are picking up more on my desperation for money. Or if I'm going for a mm-hmm. job interview and I'm, I get that job interview and I'm making 100000 but I'm so desperate to pay my bills that that company sees the desperation in me and that I'm only looking to do whatever I can do. So they, they may take advantage because I'm carrying around with me the desperation because I haven't done the inner work to realize I can create what I want. I can create where I'm going. See, this is not a positive thinking. You've got to do the inner work. You've got to do the inner work to know where you are so that you know where you're going so that when people say things to you, it doesn't affect you. Because you will have the great people that say great things, and you will have the other. You don't grow without challenge. You do not grow without challenge. 
You do not grow without overcoming the obstacles you need to overcome in order to manifest what it is outside of you to get to the next level. But we want to blame the people outside of ourselves, the infrastructure, society, and everything else. And that's just not the deal. That's going to go on forever. What you do with your life and how you do with your life is where you find yourself going and who you learn from and who you encounter and allow into your life. I don't know. I guess, Raw, you know, I just want to say thank you, Raw, because Gail is coming out today, you know, of right. how I love to inspire people, but not about how I think they should be. What is it that you want to create and, where, and, and look at and support them and seeing where they are in creating that. that. That's the important thing, Jay. Just like with your artistry, you've been helping, you know, Kimberly Jackson, the Moore twins. You didn't do it for your ego. You did it because this is what you wanted to create. You know, when I created my project, I did it because it couldn't just be about Gail, the mother who passed away. It had to be about what I wanted to, you know, the one thing in my family that is really core is we were raised with a sense of community bringing people together of all cultures. I have Chinese in my family. I have African-American in my family. I have Caucasian in my family, Polish, and I mean specifically from those countries, from different European countries, African countries, and so forth, Caribbean countries, um, you know, uh, American you know, states. So I didn't grow up with, uh, oh, I'm prejudiced, okay? You know, um, raw for some of you to know, I had the the honor of introducing her with along with a friend to her husband, and he is uh, uh, Judaism background Jewish, and you know so you're talking about an interracial couple there, but for me I didn't see that I just saw two human beings who had a commonality that just would rock this world out, and he's a powerhouse, and I mean these two together are one of the baddest powerhouses couples I've ever seen, so. My respect is not putting raw or anyone else on a pedestal. My respect is this is someone who's paid her dues. This is someone who knew what it was, did not have, and who has slowly reinvented herself several times in different ways and looked in within herself to see what was going on and that was manifesting outside of herself to know that she was responsible for that. And that's the one thing, Jay, I want to end on today. People being responsible for what goes on outside of them and not blaming people. Because a lot of times you walked into that based on where you felt you were at and what you were desperate for or needed or manipulated yourself into or even just wanted to be at because that's where you were. And there's nothing wrong because that's part of your path and your journey in life. So, Mr. Logan, I'm, I'm, I don't have nothing else to say. Is there any last words you want to say for our audience? No, I, I agree. I'm glad to hear this, and I, I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree 100% what you're saying. Um, <laughs> so the final word is yours. Because I-, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I told you, you know, when you get certain people on that are so real and so authentic, you can't help but be authentic yourself. And this is, this is why we have so people like Raw, people who have been like Nicole Condon, Duncan. You know, we've had Kwaku Mandela. You know, we have these people, Shatesca Martinez, you know, Lila June Johnson, who's now our indigenous ambassador. You know, we have these people on. Yeah, they're well known, but they may not be known. They're the Beyonce's of their circle, Okay. 
um, you know, or the Taylor Swifts of their circles or, you know, the Clintons of their circles. You know, yeah, I guess I better be careful with that one. Um, but, you know, this is what we're hearing. So we just are grateful that all of you have been with us for so long. And 2018, y'all, we're going to take it to another level. The show will be on mm-hmm. less time. We should let you know that. Um, it'll probably be on twice a month or three times a month. And um, we're just going to be taking it to a new level, both Jay and I collectively, individually, with this show and everything. And we just want to let y'all know we are not journalists, okay? We are people <laughs> who write. We, are, we do do things in a media perspective, but we are not journalists. And here's the thing. We have nothing but the utmost respect for journalists because they go into places to give us news that we need that we wouldn't otherwise have. So we respect that um, that area more than you could ever know. With, I'm thankful that I can open up and see what's going on around the world because I know that I'd be, you know, when you talked about fear, Jay, forget a gang. I'd rather go in gangland than any place else, okay? <laughs> you know? Right. So with that, you, we say thank around. you. And <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, and yeah, with the UN and everything, that's enough gangland for me. And it's, it's not even a gangland. It's actually pretty cool to be there and learn what's going on. So I'm very, 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 when I say very, very humbled by that, huh, you better believe. And with that, Jay, thank you as always. We have one more show next week before we say adios and amigo for the year. So look forward to that, and uh, we're out. Peace out, Jay. Peace out.